630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Taylor Cornelius. He is now the starting quarterback for your Edmonton Elks. Talk about getting thrown into the fire. He will start on Saturday against that outstanding Winnipeg Blue Bombers defense. Blue Bombers' best team in the league. Don't think there's much doubt about that. We will discuss this tonight. Who is Taylor Cornelius? What can we expect from him? As Trevor Harris is on the six-game injured list with a neck injury. Here's Elks general manager Brock Sunderland. He got injured during the Calgary game, was cleared by the medical staff, continued to play in the game. He's been cleared by the medical staff every day, has felt good for practices, so there's been no restrictions. And as the week progressed, some more symptoms started progressing. He became more aware of them, and it got to a point where yesterday during practice, that became to a point where he needed to pull himself from practice. So anytime you're dealing with a neck or head type of situation, an abundance of caution needs to be taken for the person, and that's what we're doing with Trevor. That's why we've put him on the sixth game is there's no timetable to these types of injuries. So we're going to be make sure that he's perfectly healthy and completely safe before we think about football again. And as we move along tonight, you'll hear more from Brock Sunderland. You'll hear from Elks head coach Jamie Elizondo. And, of course, you will hear from the starting quarterback, Taylor Cornelius. That game is at 745 on Saturday. Our countdown to kickoff will get going at 6 o'clock here on 630. Ched, and again, the announcement by the Elks at 530 this afternoon. All fans over the age of 12, well, 12 and older, will have to provide one of the following things to get into the game on Saturday. Proof of minimum one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine. The approved uh, forms of proof include your online health record, which could be a screenshot or web-based or official documentation from your vaccination appointment. Or you have to have proof of a negative COVID-19 test from within 48 hours before the game. So in other words, uh, no older than 745 tonight to get into the 745 game on Saturday. And we'll dive deeper into the Elks discussion as we move along tonight. But of course, we are ramping up towards the start of the NHL season. Rookie camps underway. The Oilers uh, rookies hit the ice today. Main training camp is going to start on Wednesday. A lot of vaccination stories there as well and many other things going on. To talk about that, I am pleased to welcome back to the show. From the NHL on Sportsnet and from the, is, is it now the 32 Thoughts podcast? Jeff Merrick checks in. Hey, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. hey, Reed. how you doing, pal? Yeah, it's a, wow, it sounds like you got a busy show today, too. Sounds great. Um, yeah, it's uh, now officially the 32 Thoughts podcast, but we still, have, we still haven't finished the artwork, but we're just going ahead and calling it 32 anyway. So is that like you have to provide 16 thoughts and Elliot has to provide 16 or <laughs> No, you know what? It's just like you know those like uh pizza chains that'll give you like two for one slices but then there's one that'll do three for one but all they do is cut one slice twice. That's just kind of what we're doing. We're just taking liberties with what we consider a thought to be. How about that one, Reed? Well, I do notice that when Elliot writes it up, some thoughts are about four paragraphs and then some oh, are four words. We, but hey, he, he's we, numbering uh, them. We always, we always bust on. I'm like, oh, man, you are so stretching this thing to get to 31. But listen, he does, uh, he does a lot of heavy lifting. If he wants to take a, a couple of liberties with what he considers to be a thought, I'm fine with it. Now, I understand, Jeff, despite you not being a musician now maybe you do have musical ability but i'm pretty sure you're not a professional museum or a museum a musician uh you are on <laughs> neither, tour neither. 
You're neither. Well, yeah. You're on tour. What's going on here? Tell us, before we yeah. dive into some of the, the daily stuff that he said today, and I know you've been talking yeah. to him too, tell me a little bit of the, yeah. what's it like being on this tour. Uh, okay, so it's the NHL, NHLPA um, player media tour uh, in Chicago. They did all the Canadian teams uh, in Toronto on Monday. That was pretty good because it was like it wasn't a super packed day. Um, it was, you know, uh, players from, from all Canadian teams, and it was a more chill event. Um, I mean, the Chicago one is go, 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 and the players are being dragged around between, you know, all the rights holders. So it's not just Sportsnet, it's also TNT and it's ESPN. And it's uh, like, I'll just be like, it's a tough day for a lot of these guys because you're being dragged from one interview to the other. Elliot and I are, are set up in a boardroom where we're just doing uh, interviews for a 32 Thoughts podcast. And I think we wheeled through 15 players. And Bill Daly today, and then I think we're doing another 15 players tomorrow. So they're they're pretty high intensity days if you consider talking to hockey players <laughs> high intensity. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun. It's a great way to sort of kick off the season. And I'll tell you what, Reed, um, for our position, like I'm a mainly a studio guy too. It's good to get some face time with uh, representatives from the team and the players themselves because, you know, outside of just going to see the, the local team and the visiting team that's in town, we don't get a chance to, 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 to talk to a lot of these players normally. I, I saw a photo the other day, and maybe this was Photoshopped, maybe it was out of context, but it appeared you were taking a slap shot oh on the God. ice, okay. but in your dress <laughs> shoes or something. What was going on? So... Okay, so that was at the Ford Performance Center. That's the Maple Leafs practice facility. That was Monday as part of the uh, NHL, NHLPA players tour with all the Canadian teams. And so they want to shoot some stuff just for commercial purposes for me and Elliot on the ice. And so our producer, Amel, said, well, why don't you go out there and see if the ice is dry enough and you guys can actually like, walk around on it and make sure it's not slippery. So I go out there and I go, yeah, it's, it's fine. And he goes, well, grab that stick and, and take a shot. Let's see how, you know, how, how safe it is. And I'm like, okay, sure, no problem. I didn't think he's, like, recording it and going to slow it down and put it on Twitter. I think a last count has got 95,000 views. It's just me taking, like, a really bad beer league back-scratching slap shot <laughs> that, that, that barely even gets an inch off the ice. Uh, so, yeah, listen, if I can provide a giggle for someone by seeing how bad my slap shot form is, I'm, I'm all for it. But uh, that was not Photoshop. That was... An authentic bad slap shot read by yours truly. Well, you never know what's going to catch on online in this day and age. I mean, what's <laughs> one of the most viewed videos on YouTube? Isn't it that rat carrying pizza down the stairs in a New York yeah. subway? So who knows what people are going to latch on to? <laughs> what passes for entertainment these days, I don't know, but somehow it keeps me employed, Reed. So I'm, I'm going to keep my mouth shut on this one. All right. Uh, Jeff Merrick joined us tonight on Inside Sports, of course, from the NHL on Sportsnet, telling you about being uh, in Chicago here <clears throat> as part of the NHL's media tour. Okay. You know what? We, we got to talk about COVID. I, I know people have mm -hmm. COVID fatigue, but we, we do have a sports angle, and we will cover those sports angles on the show. Bill Daly is the deputy commissioner of the NHL. I'm going to read a quote today that he gave the Associated Press. Here okay. it goes. If you're unvaccinated, like you're on a U.S. team, you're traveling to Canada to play games in Canada, there is no exception at this point for that player to be exempted from a 14-day quarantine. Daly went on to okay. say most of our U.S. clubs aren't doing 14-day road trips into Canada, so that player would typically be left home because he can't participate if he goes to Canada. So those are the type of disruptions that we'll see with unvaccinated players. Though we do understand... Um, 
there there could be fewer than a team's worth of unvaccinated players once the puck actually drops in mid-october so we spoke to daily this morning and we asked them that question um you know how many players you know by puck drop are you looking at at uh, not being vaccinated and he said lower than 15 maybe around 10 but maybe even lower than that like there are you know i've heard stories of a couple of different players um how should i phrase this who had to be reminded um by management uh what they do for a living and how much they earn for a living and that this is a a fair exchange even if you're having second thoughts about about getting a vaccine um that they really need to do it um we expected there to be some unvaccinated players uh, but it sounds like overwhelmingly, like oh, like 97, 98% read of the NHL will be vaccinated by uh, by the time puck drop rolls around. And you wonder if that number, you know, uh, you know, the the number of players, you know, shrinks even more now that players are being made fully aware of the consequences of not being vaccinated, i.e., loss of pay, forfeiture of salary, uh, if they can't participate in games or any team events. So. I expect there to be at least a handful by uh, by puck drop, and maybe we get to a to 100% once once players start losing salary. Well, and that's another thing I want to remind people that if you are a fully vaccinated player and you have COVID-19, you're treated as if you have a hockey injury. Unvaccinated players Correct. will be suspended, and also if you're unvaccinated, you will lose some of the lifestyle of being a hockey player because you're not going to be able to go yeah. out as much when you're on the road and things like that. Yeah, you can't participate in team events like it, and you get not allowed to to you know work out with uh, with anybody. A lot. I mean, it's 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 an it's a, it's a near impossible existence if you're an unvaccinated hockey player. But the listen, man, like the the NHL's had a tough couple of seasons. We all have, um, and I know you know, you mentioned this off the top of the off the interview. We all have COVID fatigue, but I mean every decision, um, not just in sports but in our lives, is all being informed by. COVID and you know the reality of this uh, this new you know d- delta wave uh, that we're all going through it's 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 ne- it's going to be near impossible to uh, to function as an as an NHL player unless you're unless you're vaccinated and the NHL you know wants to get through a you know their first smooth full season um, for the first time in in two years really um, and they can't afford any hiccups, specifically in a year where it's not just about getting through 82 games, but, fingers crossed, getting through the Olympics as well. And I know the NHL is not thrilled about the Olympics. I don't think Donald Fear is thrilled with the deal. As a matter of fact, I know he's not thrilled with the deal and you know, doesn't, really, doesn't really like the way it's, it's structured and how the players are absorbing a, you know, a lot of the risk here. Um, and that the, the players themselves are the only ones driving the bus on this, and they're absorbing a lot of the risk. But the NHL, you know, wants to get through their season and wants the players to be able to get to the Olympics because that's what they agreed upon in the last round of negotiation and have everybody come back as healthy as possible. There's a, there's a lot riding on this, and the last thing they want is an unvaccinated player leading to an outbreak uh, on a team, the likes of which we saw last season with pick your team. There were numerous ones of them.
Yeah, well, and, you know, I started the show with all that elk stuff, and you obviously saw yeah. the story a few weeks ago. 13 players, game postponed. They're going to have to play three games yeah. in a week at the end of the season. So, that's, I mean, that's not a great schedule. All right, let's let's do one actual uh, hockey on the ice question. You guys have been doing, you and sure. I have been doing these interviews for years, and we can go back seven, eight years, and when we talk about the Oilers, it was, can they just get out of the basement? Can they not be in the bottom three in the league? I, I that's certainly not a concern anymore. I, I want to get your perspective because the, the phrase I have used a million times, my listeners are probably know exactly what I'm going to say. They're a good team. They're not a great team. They're trying to be great. I, I think they're now trying to go from the second tier to the top tier. That's just me sitting yeah. here in my basement saying this. What's your view of our club here? Uh, I think up front they're they're much improved. Like it's a really deep squad. Like I look at Edmonton and I say, if, like if you're a fan of just fun hockey games, watch the Oilers this year, because there's going to be a lot of six five finals. Now they may not be on the winning end of some of those six five finals, but it looks like it's going to be a team that you know uh, may have a hard time defending, uh, have a hard time keeping the puck out of the net. But you look at the depth of this squad at the forward position you know with the uh, the addition of listen just by the end i'm a huge warren fogel fan i think this guy is one of the more underrated players and he's a total swiss army knife you know i loved that acquisition i know it was a very expensive price to pay and i'm a huge ethan bear fan uh, but warren fogel is a real good player and as long as zach Hyman can stay healthy and that's the caveat there you know, he's going to help whatever line that he's on. I like what the Oilers did up front. My only concern is, like everybody, the back end and how much, you know, how much hockey, you know, Duncan Keith still has in him. Um, you know, Cody Cece uh, last year for, for a large chunk of that season with the Pittsburgh Penguins really changed his game around um, and, played to, and, and, and played real well for the Penguins. Um, but now you're playing in a Canadian market. He's gone through that before. It can be crushing um, if you don't perform well. Canadian hockey fans are ruthless on underperforming defensemen. Reed, I don't need to tell you that. Um, I do have some concerns about the back end, and the concerns that we all had last year about the net mining remains this year about the net mining. But, you know, uh, if you think you can score your way out of problems, the Oilers are doing a good job of structuring their team around that philosophy. Um, they have the best player in the game in Connor McDavid. And, you know, riding, riding shotgun there is Leon Dreisaitl, who's the top five player in the NHL as well. And now they're they're deeper at the forward position than we've seen with uh, in the, uh, the Connor McDavid era. So I like them. I love their forwards but I don't love the entire team at that super elite level yet. I think that's very fair. Jeff, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for fitting us in. I hope we can find time to do this a few times throughout the season as well, man. Really oh, appreciate it. Would love it. Always love catching up with you, Reed. You be well. That is the one and only Jeff Merrick from the NHL on Sportsnet and now the 32 Thoughts podcast. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Okay, I can also tell you this regarding the Alberta Junior Hockey League, whose season will, regular season will open up tomorrow. The AJHL announcing late this afternoon, as per provincial restrictions effective September 16th, all spectators attending AJHL games this weekend must wear a mask and maintain two meter distancing between households 
and the AJHL will provide an update regarding participation in the restrictions exemption program shortly. I mean, that's basically the vaccine passport, the uh, the restrictions exemption program. Okay, uh, great to have Jeff Merrick on the show. More hockey talk as we move along tonight, and we will dive deeper into Taylor Cornelius, the new Elks quarterback with Trevor Harris on the six-game injured list. Dave Campbell will enlighten us when we get back. Thanks for checking out the show tonight. Happy birthday. You're the starting quarterback on Saturday. Good birthday present. <laughs> well, tell me about that. Just, uh, you know, it's kind of an unusual time of the week to get that designation, but it yeah. is what it is. For sure. Um, found out, you know, late yesterday after practice um, that Trevor would be down this week. Just been getting a lot of mental reps this week, but staying ready, and you just never know, and today was my week. That is Taylor Cornelius, 25 years of age as of today. Speaking to this gentleman, Dave Campbell, after Elks practice earlier today. Dave, there is Taylor Hello. Cornelius. Who Thanks is Taylor Cornelius? On. Yes, uh, that's absolutely. Him. Uh, it's been a busy day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Taylor is a 26-year-old. Happy birthday oh, to Taylor Cornelius. 26. I, had, I had 25. My bad. Okay. Yeah, so 26 today. Uh, played in at Oklahoma State University. That is significant because we know someone else that has been on this show that played at Oklahoma State University, and he's with the Carolina Panthers now. That's running back Chuba Hubbard, the uh, pride of St. Al or uh, Sherwood Park. Sorry, Sherwood Park. Sherwood Park. That was my bad. Um, and uh, played uh, some big games down in uh with osu uh played in some you know i mean there's some huge stadiums in texas and, and big moments and uh beat oklahoma in a big game in uh in 2018 played in the xfl with the tampa bay vipers he uh had over uh, 800 yards passing uh four touchdowns six interceptions three touchdowns on the ground uh he can run he can throw he's a big big uh a quarterback at six foot six but this will be his first CFL start. And I should also mention his offensive coordinator with the Tampa Bay Vipers of the XFL, Jamie Elizondo, who is the current head coach and OC of the Elks. All right. So from what you've seen at practice, can you tell us anything? And I realize a practice is not a game and it doesn't always involve pressure. Sometimes it's not even a full 12 on 12 situation. Can you tell us anything about his speed of delivery the style of ball he throws if you think he's going to be a, a chuck it or a check down type guy what, what do you think about Cornelius there well he's got some accuracy to him because uh, he's able to throw the ball into uh, some tight spots downfield which is what you're going to have to do in this game uh, he's able to throw the ball downfield uh, Brock Sunderland I don't know if you played the clip but he referenced and I saw this play where he uh, had a 70 yard touchdown or a 70-yard completion, I think, and uh, that's that's huge. That's uh, that's pretty that's pretty good. Um, he's his ability to move is something that will be very different from Trevor Harris, who we have said, you know, when he's in trouble, he can't move out of the pocket. Cornelius can, and in fact, in 2018, he had 10 rushing touchdowns to go along with 32 passing touchdowns, and that tied a school record with some guy named Barry Sanders, who did you know 
very little in the NFL. Yeah, right. He's a Hall of Famer with the uh, Detroit Lions. So, but here's the question for me, Reed, decision-making. You can have all the tools in the toolbox, and he does. Like, he throws the ball well. He throws the ball accurately at times. But that's the key. Can he make the right decision? You know, and, and now he's going to be in a game situation against uh, Richie Hall, of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers against a veteran defense with, you know, we had Willie Jefferson on two nights ago. We got Jackson Jeffcoat on the other side of Willie. We got uh, Adam Big Hill in the middle, and we got an experienced secondary, an experienced defensive coordinator. This will be very, very interesting. Well, yeah, this is the toughest team he could play in his first start. And like you said, it's, it's and like you said, we had, we had Jefferson on the show but it's not as if they just have the star defensive line and then you can get at the other areas of the defense. They're good in every single area. So an incredibly difficult test. I, I guess here's the thing about the Canadian Football League. There are some amazing stories with quarterbacks. No quarterback really comes to the CFL as a guaranteed star. Right, because mm-hmm. the, you don't draft quarterbacks. If you draft the Canadian quarterback, you're drafting him for depth. Uh, I mean, sure, you get some names like Johnny Manziel or whatever that come up here, but generally, it's like, okay, here's a guy that was good in college and maybe, maybe had a look as an NFL backup or on a practice roster. How is he yep. going to do when he gets here? Uh, and some of them turn out to be Mike Riley, and and some of them don't. And there have been some incredible stories of first time starters who have become Hall of Famers, like, oh, number 15, Ricky Ray of the double <laughs> football team. So I, I guess that's the ultimate story. Is is this, I, I, you know, seeing the reaction on social media, getting texts from friends and family who are fans today, there's certainly uh, a lot of hand-wringing, hand-wringing some, in some cases downright pessimism about mm-hmm. the game, and, and I understand that. So is that going to be the, the storyline, and maybe that's the more likely one, that it's going to be a tough game for this young guy, or I guess, you know, if you're a fan, you get to have hope. Is this going to be the, the five percenter that comes out and it's like, oh, it's Ricky Ray part two. I don't know. <laughs> now, can he come out and score four touchdown passes like uh, Ricky yeah, Ray exactly. did in 2002 against the Lions? Probably not. Um, yeah, it, you know, and, and that pessimism is justified. I understand it completely because, you know, he's, he's, he's never played in the CFL except for a couple of sneaks here and there, right? In the last fumbled few one. games and fumbled one. Um, like the size is very intriguing. The fact that he's this tall and that can run as fleet as foot as he, he, uh, he does is very intriguing to me. And if you're, you know, you're talking about facing a six foot seven Willie Jefferson, well, being six foot six might help get, you know, get, get a throwing lane around Willie Jefferson, although that's tough because he's, he's very good at what he does. So yeah, I don't know. It's, um, you know, I, I'm. I know you're going to talk a little bit more later about, uh, you know, first-time CFL debuts. I mean, is he going to be Bo Levi Mitchell? You know, who's probably had the best career as a starter from the start of his career. Um, but you're right. I mean, the CFL is chock full of stories of, you know, quarterbacks that are unknown. I mean, who knew Eastern Washington was going to be a pipeline for this league? Michael Riley, Matt Nichols, right. Bo Levi Mitchell, Vernon Adams. You know, like it's it's amazing how that one school has produced four starting quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League. So, and you know, I, I, I go down south to Calgary, Jake Mayer. We had no idea who this guy was. He was one and two as a starter, but 
no other starting quarterback in CFL history has had three 300-yard passing games in his first three starts. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. But that's where I say, Reed, and I asked Jamie Elizondo about this, do you have to kind of condense the playbook for him and see if he can handle those plays before giving him more plays? And he basically said, yeah, that's, that's basically the plan. Okay, so when you say Cornelius has some mobility, I, I'm assuming you mean he's more likely to take off and run than Trevor Harris. And and Harris, I thought, is I think is pretty good at sliding left or right sometimes to change the angle mm. of a throw. But do you think yeah. Cornelius might actually be a threat to run for some yardage? Because that is something that can throw off even a good defense if they're worried the quarterback's going to break away for a game. I, I think you can scheme in a maybe a quarterback draw or, or a quarterback option, and he definitely can get out of trouble a lot quicker than than Trevor Harris can. So I, I do think that you're going to see a more mobile quarterback. Now, that that doesn't mean that it's just going to be all magical and stuff. I mean, we've seen quarterbacks with mobility um, use their mobility to get out of trouble, but then they they, they, they can slide right into pressure, right? So it, it just all depends on how he handles what he's going to see. Richie Hall's going to send the house against him he usually does that anyway but he's gonna he's gonna test Cornelius I think very early try and get some hits on him try and get in his head early and if you're Richie Hall why not you know I think that's 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 uh exactly what you do uh but I do think you're gonna see a little bit more in the playbook that will utilize Cornelius's mobility compared to what you would see with Trevor Harris all right, Dave Campbell joining us on Inside Sports, talking about Taylor Cornelius, who will start at quarterback for the Elks against the Bombers on Saturday. He was a walk-on at Oklahoma State University, eventually got a scholarship. He walked on in 2014, eventually got a scholarship in 2017, and was the starter in 2018 when the team went 7-6. and six. The Harris injury, I, I played Brock Sunderland's clip about it happening in the Calgary game and he was fine to keep playing and then cleared to play every day this week until all of a sudden he couldn't practice anymore. Do we know exactly when this happened, or do you you have any further insight into how this progressed? I I don't, and I know he was hit a lot in the game, so I don't know if it was one of those uh, seven sacks that – that uh, put him into a bit of a you know question mark in that game at some point without our knowledge until today. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's 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 obviously sometime in that game, and and he took a lot of hits, and then he tried to come back, and he did come back. He was cleared for practice, and then pulled himself out uh, yesterday. You know, Brock Sunderland said, and if you probably heard in the clip, he said neck head. And the timetable is unknown right now. And that's why he's on the six game injured list. I don't know. You can draw your own conclusions, but I I think this is, I think we have to treat this as a concussion, even though they're not calling it that way, because I don't know what other injury doesn't have a timetable, you know, that that is unclear as, as a concussion. So to me, I think that's why they're being extra cautious. And clearly Trevor Harris, you know, tried to come back and practice and, maybe just you know did i hope he didn't do the thing that zach caleros did a couple years ago with saskatchewan rough riders and get dinged in a preseason game and not tell anyone he was concussed and didn't come out you know so i think that he was smart enough yesterday to go i i I just i can't do it i just can't do it so it's uh this is a little ominous you know when he had the uh forearm injury in the labor day rematch game in 19 you know, we kind of knew what the time frame was. It was, you know, about a four to six week injury. He came back, I think, 
uh, yeah, I think he came back right at six, seven weeks. So we kind of knew that what, what the time frame of that injury, this we just don't know. And they're not saying concussion, but to me, this screams concussion. All right. Couple other notes here. Sir V, Sir Vincent Rogers was on the show last night. I, I mean, I expect he's playing. Do we know for sure now? I think he's playing. I mean, every indication I get today is he's playing. Uh, I think they're just going to, you know, do one more final check in the morning, make sure he's good. But for someone to rep at left tackle the whole week, the whole practice week, and it was a regular week for the Elks, um, I think he's going to play. And this is exciting. And, it, you know, it's, it's a little tough, too, because the last time he was on the field was two months ago, first week of training camp. He didn't even get through the first week of training camp. He was down partway through that first week with that chest injury. So he's been on the field, but he hasn't been working, you know, hasn't been in pads, hasn't, hasn't been on the field working with the O-line group until this week. So it just shows you the dire situation on, on the O-line read and how many tackles they've gone through especially. So I would expect Kyle Saxwood's going to slide over to uh, right tackle from right guard. And I, I think uh, we're going to see the debut of Thomas Jack Cordilla, the uh, third overall pick, I believe, from the 2019 uh, or 2020 CFL draft and out of Buffalo, the University of Buffalo. I know you had him on uh, draft night that year uh, during that that draft night, and he's a really sharp kid. And uh, there's a lot of hype surrounding Thomas Jack Cordilla. But the exciting part is Sir Vincent Rogers will finally play his first game as a member of the Green and Gold, and I think that's a great story. Well, and they're, I mean, the tackle play is going to be as important as ever with, like mm -hmm. you said, those rush ends coming at Cornelius. So they're, yeah, they're going to have to really step up for sure. Uh, Dave, before I let you go, any other key roster notes or otherwise that people got to know tonight? Well, Derek Moncrief is going to make his debut at the Sam linebacker spot. That's pretty impressive considering, you know, this is his first full week with his new team, but he said the scheme is, Pretty similar under North Thorpe compared to what he worked with in uh, Saskatchewan under uh, Chris Jones and uh, Jason Shivers, respectively. Uh, so we're, he's going to be at Sam Linebacker, and that's going to be a huge upgrade. Uh, we won't see Kwaku Botang. He uh, has he was seen in a walking boot this week in practice. So Thomas Costigan is going to start again, and we know how good that what that went in BC against uh, the BC Lions. He was sensational. Uh, that night and uh, I believe we're going to probably see Terry Williams come back into the lineup as well and I think that they have being that they have four Canadian offensive linemen I think that might push J Jalen Tolliver with the starting five receiving group and I should mention Tolliver just quickly uh, Jalen Tolliver and Taylor Cornelius played together in uh, Tampa Bay in the XFL too so there might be some you know some familiarity there between those two but th those are some of the changes that we'll watch for tomorrow all right, Dave. Uh, man, oh, man. A lot of storylines. Thanks for updating that. And, uh, well, I'll see you Saturday. I'll wave to you up in the booth at the very least. Look forward to it. And uh, this year has definitely not been boring when it comes to the Edmonton Elks. It uh, it has not. They are two and three. <laughs> They've had a game postponed. They uh, have had now a quarterback injury. They had a... Well, they've been terrible at home, quite frankly. I don't think I'm being yep. mean-spirited by saying that. Uh, one offensive touchdown that, that didn't really matter, but they had an awesome game on Labor Day. So we'll see what we get. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Reed. That is Dave Campbell checking in. And again, for the Elks game on Saturday, 
I'm just going to read what they put out. If you haven't seen it already, now I, I've retweeted this. You, you've probably seen it. But all fans 12 and older, older will be re- required to provide one of the following upon arrival at the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium on Saturday. Proof of a minimum of one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine. Approved forms of proof include Alberta or another province's online health records. So it it can be a screenshot or web-based or official documentation from your vaccination appointment. You can also provide, instead of that, official documentation of a negative COVID-19 test, PCR or rapid antigen from within 48 hours of game time. So that's something that is uh, after 7.45 tonight. So between 7.45 tonight and the start of the game on Saturday. That's what's going on there. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Thursday night football, Giants leading Washington 7-0 with 3.48 left in the first quarter. Giants trying to score again here. They are third and two from the Washington 27 flag on the play. Not sure what's going to happen here. Somebody moved early. Well, let's see what the ref's going to say. Oh, it's a false start against the Giants, so they'll have third and seven. I want to remind you about something here. Ron Lowe was on two or three weeks ago to talk about this, the former Oilers goaltender and coach. And I want to remind you about it because it's uh, it's a great cause, and you only have until noon tomorrow to get involved with this. It is the Hockey Helps the Homeless with the Mustard Seed Prize Raffle. I have tweeted out a link to this. It is through rafflebox.ca. So uh, you could you, or you could just search Hockey Helps the Homeless Mustard Seed Raffle, and it should take you there to the Oilers experience specifically. Now, uh, a whole bunch of great prizes in here. I'll just run down a couple here. First of all, uh, you could win an Edmonton Oilers alumni experience that would include a chance to play in an alumni shinny game, two customized Oilers jerseys, two lower bowl tickets to an Oilers game with access to alum- to the alumni suite. That's all one prize. You could get a signed Paul Coffey jersey. You can uh, get uh, 10, to 10 people to go see a dinner and a show at River Cree Resort and Casino. whole bunch of great prizes. So again, um, this is all through Hockey Helps the Homeless, hockeyhelpsthehomeless.com. You're helping out the mustard seed as well, the seed.ca this specific raffle uh, again go to rafflebox.ca or give a google for hockey helps the homeless mustard seed prize raffle and uh, you'll find everything there ticket sales end at noon tomorrow and i believe they're doing the draw right away i think they do the draw tomorrow afternoon as well so uh chance to hop in on that for sure All right, you'll uh, hear a little bit more from Taylor Cornelius, the Elks quarterback for Saturday against the Bombers. Mooner's going to hop on, too. It's Inside Sports on 630, Chad. Your voice to the Edmonton Elks and the Edmonton Oilers. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.